for coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly. Brought to you by social media for high school athletes. Right. This is exciting. We are here at United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. And it is time for the clown show. <laughs> the clown show brought to you by our good friend, Stan Anderson from Camp Showdown. Uh, we are thankful for him uh, getting this all together for us. Um, and we have some great giveaways. Uh, for people who are watching this or, or the people who are actually on Twitter right now that are watching, uh, how can they win? we got some amazing merchandise. We've got the travel kits. We've got sweatshirts. We've got a women's pullover and some amazing – I should have used this when I dropped my phone earlier. We have these crazy, awesome HPG gloves as well. So Stan and Bushy as well. What kind of uh, what kind of contest do you think we need to do? Um <laughs> How about if anybody were to, were to were to come over, they could have their uh, their their pick of kit or whatever it is they'd like. If they're a goalkeeper, we can set them up with gloves. If they're not, we'll set them up with some piece of apparel. But maybe if they, they can guess how many uh, shutouts Bushy has in his career or how many legends that Ev has coached, some somewhere along those lines. All right. Well, what we will do is how many shutouts uh, Bushy uh, Bushy got in his career. People are going to be hit up Wikipedia. Hey, Nick probably already knows that off the top of his head. You don't even have to ask. He already knows it. He wants a free sweatshirt, by the way. (laughs) I think the cool thing is, oh, John Bertrand's on. So I do have to admit, uh, John wanted to come up here today and watch the show. And of course, he wasn't able to be here. But I know he's listening in the car right now. And don't watch us while you're driving, but listen to us. Uh, uh, Bush, do you have any John Bertrand stories that you're allowed to tell? None that I'm allowed to tell. No, no. We can't talk about those live. No, he is a fantastic guy, though. But we'll just leave, we'll just leave it there because, yeah, we want to keep it PG-13. Shout out to Michael. Yeah, yeah you know, you definitely back. should talk about his son, though, Michael. He's coming back off his ACL. And uh, I was training him last summer before he did his ACL. And he had his first training session again uh, just last week That's with us. Week. Yeah, last week. So uh, he's put in the hard work in the gym. And now it's getting them, getting them healthy and uh, on the field and ready for college. So shout out to both of those guys because uh, great people, great people for sure. That's absolutely for sure. Uh, John uh, introduced me to the whole term of the goalkeeper union. Uh, and I came up with some, actually, when we were talking to Haley Carter a couple weeks ago, uh, I thought of this, and I, now I wouldn't present it in front of you guys. So I don't know if you followed Pat McAfee a little bit. Uh, Who? Yeah, right? Oh, the kicker for the Colts or the ex kicker. Yeah. So his whole thing is anytime the kickers do something, you know, it's for the brand. For the brand. And I thought to myself when we were talking to Haley, and she kept saying that word over and over the union, the union. And talking to Seth Bertrand, he always talked about the union, the union. I thought to myself, we need to have for the union for goalkeepers when they make an amazing play. There you go. John Bush with a save for the union. Like, I mean, (laughs) other than the fact that there's a team called the union, or. What a goal kick for the union. You know, there you I go. I feel like that would be uh that should be a new thing. I like it. Yeah. All I right. Like it. Branding, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna make this happen. We've been we've been we've been putting it in the <laughs> I works. honestly have been thinking about this. Like I even come up with like specific liners for uh color commentators to use, so I you, you guys got a lot of time on your hands, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. almost lost my marriage three times during Christmas trying to get this whole uh, uh, convention thing set up. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to talk to Garber about using that because I think he's going to want some money to do, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, Sorry, Don. Not, not doing that. Not doing that. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, we've had Stan on before. We've had uh, uh, Bushy on before. But we also have with us the famous, the famous EV. So, if you've heard uh, part one from... John Bush, as you have heard the story 
about Ubi, but today we get to hear his side of the story when it comes to uh, his interactions with John and Kosh. So if you would, uh, for everybody who's listening and watching, kind of give everybody uh, a little bit of background with you. Uh, Other than being the Gandalf. Gandalf, Gandalf of goalkeeping. goalkeeping. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've been coaching goalkeepers for far too long. Um, and, you know, Bushy was one of, the, one of the guys that I coached with. I've been fortunate to work with a bunch of good goalkeepers who've gone on the play pro. And, and, you know, always, always, training was always based on fun. And maybe the games weren't so much fun, but, you know, I don't. I didn't hear the. Did you tell the story? Did you tell the the famous the, story, fam- the uncatchable ball? The old the uncatchable you know the ball. Hi, yeah. JB. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think I know that. But you can re- you can rehash it in your well, version. I, I, in your version. I'm assuming this is a piece. <laughs> no, they told me I. They told me I could curse on it. Yeah, we, so. we no, no, I know. We, we, it was not cursing involved. It was, I was making up. <laughs> I had gone through my usual which was extensive and had moved on to phase two. So, so people, I, I, now that we have Bobby here, for people who haven't gotten a chance to listen to the first one today, yeah, I can hear you. Um, for the people that didn't get a chance to listen to her, what is the story? Because it's one of our favorite stories that we've, that we've ever First had. of all, I'm going to, let, let me just jump in. Evie is very modest when he talks about himself. Yeah. Evie. No disrespect to Stan on my left, but EB <laughs> has probably put the most amount of pro goalkeepers into pro soccer, hands down in America. He, Mike McGinty's, Ronnie Pascal's, Jeff Dubek, the, the list goes on and on. So when he says he's been doing it a long time, he has been doing it a long time, but he's also doing it at a very high level for a very long time. So, okay, sorry, you can tell the story now. I, want, I, want, I think well, our audience needs to hear this. In order to do that, you have to have people that listen to you, and most of them listen to me until – this kid showed up at USC Charlotte and, you know, refused to listen to me. So, <laughs> so, no, I, I, it, I'm it, shocked. I, I'm shocked about that. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually a very short story. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Um, we're playing Virginia Tech. It's it's raining. Yep. We're up to nothing. And you know as a coach, you guys have all played long enough you can give up goals, and then there's times you don't want to give up goals because, you know, particularly leaving 2 nothing, you don't want to give up a goal with, you know, 17 minutes left or whatever. And so, hit from, hit from uh, Virginia Tech, hits a ball 25, 27 yards away. It's wet, okay, and it's a good, a good shot. It's on target. And Bushy, who's just come back from the U-17 World Cup, he carries it. Okay, but he doesn't really catch it, but he doesn't really parry it. You know, he leaves it, right? And, you know, as with most goalkeepers will tell you, the defenders are standing around with their thumbs up their asses. and they <laughs> So the guy scores. So we, we go on to win the game. And, you know, up until that game, I don't think we lost. I, wasn't really, I couldn't really, you know, put the screws to him because – I had played well as a yeah. freshman. It's basically <laughs> what he's saying. <laughs> so you couldn't really say, okay, now, you know, we screwed up, we lost, now it's time to work. So, we got, so, you know, everybody shakes hand and everything, come over after the game. And I said, and I said to him, I said, listen, I said, a national team goalkeeper doesn't leave that rebound. Okay, a national team goalkeeper catches that ball. And Bushy's answer was, EB, that was an uncatchable. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, 
Okay. I always encourage dialogue. But when he did it, he rolled his eyes. <laughs> That's where it was. I never do that, man. Never. First of all, if you're an old guy, okay, and you're a father, okay, and you get your eyes rolled, you get the eye roll, you go off. Okay. Which I did. I, I fulfilled that obligation. And I called him every name in the book. I went through my old vocabulary of swear words. Uh, and it was interesting because while I'm doing this, <laughs> I'm looking at this lady who's standing next to the bench. And I had just started at UNCC, so I had no idea who she was. And I remember thinking to myself, why is the athletic trainer dressed up in a suit? Why is she not dressed up in a suit? <laughs> Where's the athletic trainer? Okay. Well, as it turns out, you know, and I'm dropping F bombs and C bombs and everything, okay? As it turns out, she's the athletic director. Oh, boy. Which I didn't know at the time. And to be honest with you, I didn't care. You know? <laughs> and so I'm I'm going through and I'm blasting it, right? And at the end, and everybody's like looking at me like, he won the game, but what the hell is he doing? What is he going? The guy's going nuts. I get, I walk out of the stadium. I get in my car. I'm about to start the car. And I'm like, I'm not finished. I get back out of the car. I go back to the stadium and I let him have round two. He didn't come, but he did come in the stadium. He yeah. was on the outside yeah. of the fence yelling yeah. through the yeah. fence at me. Yeah, you know, and so you know, and so I'm, you know, I'm livid. So I go home, you know, and and Marsha's like, "What's going on?" And I was like, and I told her the story, and she goes, she says to me, "Is my wife smarter than all of us at the table?" Yes, she says, she "He'll he'll call back." And I was like, "He will not call back, and if he calls back." I can't say it on TV, I, you know, and sure enough, 20 minutes later, I hear, hi, TV, TV, you know, and I'm like, okay, he called back, and I don't even remember what I said, but I do remember the next day we were out there at 530, yeah, 530 in the morning, working on the I think, well, we'll see you at 530 in the morning, so, you know, yeah, so the, that, the best part about that. The best part about that is years later, I don't know how many years, but a lot of years later, I'm playing in uh, I'm playing in my all-star game in D.C. It's still back when it was East versus West, right? I play a second half. I'm like three minutes away from getting a, a shutout, right? And I'm thinking, this is great, whatever. I think it was Jason Christ of America. Bang one. Bang one from the top of the 18. I get back to the locker room. I look at my phone. Who's the first message? E.B., all it says was, that was an uncatchable ball. <laughs> that was the only message I had. So... It, the the uncatchable ball has has lasted twenty whatever years, so. I will tell you a story because coach you you coach at Austin Bronx. I'll tell you. I'll sit back, kids. I'll tell you a Gandalf story. <laughs> <laughs> I played in college for Hank Steinbrecher, who went on to run U.S. Soccer. Yeah, legend, right? And I play. I was his first goalkeeper in college. We have a weekend trip up to Davis and Elkins in Austin Bronx. And when I saw when I saw all this brought us, I like this is a good story. Good teams, and they were back, like, you know, back, you know, back in the Jurassic day. Those were good teams. So we go up to Davis and Elkins, which is Hank's alma mater. So he wants that, you know, he bring his Warren Wilson team up. He wants to do well. We went up there, and they put seven on us. You know, Freddie Schmaltz was the coach, okay. right? Yeah, and yep. they put, Schmaltz. yeah, and they put, yeah, and they put, they put seven on us. It was rainy. I mean, we were awful. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and so okay, first night, you know, Hank's not happy. Okay, rightfully so. 
we play Sunday against Alderson Broaddus, and Steve Parker's coaching at Alderson Broaddus. Well, Steve Parker, who just passed away, by the way, great guy, and was one of Hank's best friends. So we're playing his alma mater, and we're playing against his best friend. Hank would like a result on Sunday, right? Alderson Broaddus, they're all over us, right? We go in at halftime, it's 4-1, okay? Hank is livid. I mean livid, right? His team's here in front of all of his homeboys, and they've given up 11 goals in two games. And he's yelling at us, and we're all sitting there, and you know, like puppies with our tails between our legs, when we should be. He's yelling at us. He picks up a chair, right? And this is not a Bobby Knight throw it across the floor thing. He picks up the chair and throws it at us. Like everybody who's <laughs> sitting there in the classroom at Austin brought us at halftime, he throws it at us. And, and I'm here to tell you, it's the only thing I caught all week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all, all my teammates were like, E.B., good catch, dude. <laughs> they, were, they were all sitting there. But, you know, he, this was back in the days when pretty much you could do anything you wanted. Yeah, you pick yeah. up the chair and he, he, I mean, he whipped it at us. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's my, so when I saw Alderson Brothers, I was like, yeah, I got a story for that. That's so, awesome. Brothers, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. What, like, when you first got started, what, like, when did you get involved with coaching, I mean, goalkeepers specifically, and, like, what kind of, what kind of got you there? Uh, you know what? I started, I started playing soccer as a sophomore in high school in New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire's a hockey state, so the sport was hockey. Everybody wanted to be the next Bobby Orr, okay? But you played something in the fall to get ready for it. And so I started playing soccer when I was a sophomore. I mean, there was no such thing as a goalkeeper coach. There were goalkeeper gloves had literally just been invented. They weren't really gloves. They were gardening gloves. And my dad was a pilot, and he flew for Eastern Airlines. Well, one of his routes was Mexico City. So the way I learned to play goal was I'd go down on one of his trips, and their driver who picked up the cruise down in Mexico City was a Club America fan. And he would get us into the games on Aztec Stadium. So I would go. He would get us in early. I'd go sit behind the goals and just watch what the goalkeepers did. And then I'd go back up to Exeter, New Hampshire, and try to do what the guys in, in Aztec Stadium did. Because I'm like, well, you know, you didn't know any better. So I was like, I can do that. You know. <laughs> so, so, you know, after I played in college, I played a couple of years pro up in New York. I, I got into coaching, you know. And I, I, it was an area that I thought at the time and still do needed individual coaching and so i wanted to stay involved in the game so i started coaching goalkeepers and um you know have, have you know i think and i think a lot of a lot of being self-taught allowed me to to to, to use various uh, methods of coaching which i think helped out you know i was able to help out you know most any kid whether it's six feet four five feet, 11, whatever, you, you know, you figured out a way to get it done. And I was able to do that. And I've been doing it ever since. What was your, like, what, what's some story, like, what was your, who's your, who's the toughest guy you ever coached? The toughest guy I ever coached was actually one of the best goalkeepers I ever had. Uh, his name is Patrick Johnston. He played for me at Duke. He has actually written a book about World Cups, which is a pretty good book. Uh, if you get a chance, read it. Uh, he was a phenomenal athlete, okay, and a very, very good goalkeeper. Matter of fact, Pat Johnson went to Newcastle before going to Europe was cool. You know, he finished at Duke, went over to Newcastle, and, you know, they were interested in signing him because he was very good, but 
paper paperwork couldn't be done. But he and I joke today. I I threw him off of the field about every two days, you know. Uh, but you know, I mean, he went on to play pro. He was a great great goalkeeper. He he was probably and he would be the first to tell you he was the, the most challenging. So you you finally meet JB over here. What was the what was that first experience like? Do you got a memory from what it was like? JB walked out of the car and there was this aura of light around him, and the angels were singing. <laughs> well, it, 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 Frank had recruited him at UNC Charlotte, you know, and I show up there and there's you know, he's like Evie, I got this goalkeeper for you. He just he's at you know U17s just got back from the World Cup. I was like, that's great, that's great, you know, looking forward to working with him. And Frank goes, oh, and by the way, he's only five foot nine. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really concerned about that, you know. So I show up, and here's JB, cocksure of himself, you know, <laughs> talking all the time, you know, uh, you know, just that guy, that kid, right? That, guy, that freshman, that, that yeah, guy. right, JB yeah, 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 that yeah, guy. yeah. And I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking to myself, okay. You know, we're gonna have to bring Whippersnapper down a little bit here. You know, um, but uh, like this leads into the Virginia Tech story. He really hadn't done anything wrong, and we hadn't lost. I mean, he'd given up some goals, but we hadn't lost. So I was like, okay. So you know, but he was very sure of himself. You know, very cocky. You know, and but the thing that the thing that I liked about him, that I loved about him, was he was willing to work. You know, and I I tell this to everybody who's involved with goalkeeping. You're willing to put the time and effort into it, you can be good, you know, you know, and it really comes down to your idea of what time and effort means, you know, and he was he was willing to show up every day and work his nuts off. And, you know, after a 21 year pro career, you know, it paid off, you know. And, and, and clearly he could take a, he could take a good verbal verbal beating as well. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only one. That, no, there, yeah, there, there yeah. were a couple. There were, there were a couple. Were a couple. Yeah. I finally got a little bit smarter. I think maybe junior year, my last year there. Yeah. Because I think we had, I think there were like two or three total incident, instances. One was I was waving at a coach that just got thrown out, and Frank, <laughs> and, and he saw it. I don't know how the hell he saw, it, but he saw me waving. The guy's name was, was Charlie Schlegel when he coached at Davidson. So it's our big rival. He got thrown out. We were playing in Charlotte. So as he's walking by, I said, "Hey, Charlie." And he looked at it, and I just waved at him. And all I hear out of nowhere is, JB. I'm like, Jesus, how does he see everything? <laughs> I think that was the last one. There was only two or three, but after that, it was, it was smooth sailing. He's just a big teddy bear. <laughs> just a big teddy bear. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he Bushy had told me early in his college career, I want to be a pro. You know, And I think when a kid comes to you and says that, you, know, you, you can deal with that because – you know, as I said, it's a pretty easy path if you're willing to put in the, in the work. And he was always willing to put in the work. And so, you know, possibly I, my expectations of him were higher than your run-of-the-mill college kid. You know, because you know, we, we had a lot of good goalkeepers and a lot of kids that worked hard and they were good collegiate goalkeepers. But, you know, when you get somebody who comes in and says, this is, I want to be beyond, I want to play beyond this level. Then I think as a coach, it's your duty to, to do your best to get them there. And, you uh, but that's also, like I said, that's half the that's half the battle. You got a kid that's willing to do that, fine. We can we can we can go, you know. And then you have to build the trust up that you know, you know, John. If I tell you to jump off a cliff, you you know, it's all part of your development. You got to be willing to do it. And and he was so you know it worked. 
I, I just it made me think of uh, when when Bushy was telling us the, the famous story of uh, the uncatchable ball. You had mentioned that he had yelled at you on the field, hopped in his car, yelling while he hopped in the car, took off, stopped, got out, yelled more, got back in the car. I think maybe stopped one more time and yelled again. Um, do you even remember anything? Was there something that you thought to yourself in the car that made you stop the car? I'm not finished yet. No, and I then still off. I, was, I was still live it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was just, you know, that, you know, if if you got kids and they they roll their eyes at you, I mean, and I I'll tell you, you know, I've been this way ever. I mean, I coached for 40 years and a lot of it in college. You get you get players to roll your eyes at you, you know. There's one thought that goes through your mind, and we can't say it here, you know. <laughs> but you know, and, and as a parent, if you you know, you tell a kid to do something, you know. And they they come back and sass you, you know. I think it, you can say it here. You, <laughs> well, you, know, you know, you just you just don't. Marshall might be listening. Yeah, yeah. Marshall, get, Marshall won't I get be in happy. trouble. Marshall won't be trouble. happy. Yeah. No, I can't go back and roll my eyes. No, so you can't, Marshall. No, you don't want to roll those to Marshall. No, sir. So, you know, so I, I mean that that that's what it was. You, like, I mean, like, one of the things that I, I feel like, again, we've talked about this uh, with all the, both of you on the show about the uh, why goalkeeping is so unique in soccer. And do you think that it, as a goalkeeper, it's important to kind of have that swagger that JB has where, like, his belief in himself, like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, if, if you look up swag in the dictionary, John Bush's picture's right <laughs> I mean, beside it. You, if, you see him, if you see him tonight, he, he's got his the wife got him dressed in the guy, guy, I dressed. thought he was coming from the draft. Like, somebody was taking him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get <laughs> not, not, not still waiting for that phone call this time. Time to call me. Come on, Daddy. <laughs> no, it, it, you to be a goalkeeper in any sport that has a goal, you have to be willing. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have a really thick skin, right? Because you're going to make mistakes. You know, there's going to be balls that go in or pucks that go in or whatever it goes in past you that you should have stopped, right? You have to have a short memory. You got to forget about them and move on. You know, I used to have a saying with these guys: "It's like, you know, when you make a mistake, you know, you know what they say in Pawtucket, you know, and then you fill in the blank." Uh, yeah, uh, you know. And you, yeah, 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 yeah. Nick, Nick, explain it to your partner. Explain it to your partner, Nick. <laughs> and you, you know, you, you have to be able to move on from that, and that requires a certain amount of self-confidence, a certain amount of cockiness. You know, the key is. You have to you have to be quietly confident, you know, because you know, and and you know, I, I equate when Bushy was young, he was a lot like John McEnroe, you know, his emotions his emotions yeah. were part of his game. I wasn't right? quietly confident. Yeah. I was yeah. I was loudly. Yeah, he was confident. confident. Yeah. I was loudly yeah. confident. Yeah. And, and but the problem there is, you know, when you get when 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 you're too verbose, you give the other team the opportunity to see that they're under your skin. And if these other team sees are under your skin, now life is tough, you know. And it's not just tough for you as the goalkeeper. It's tough for the four guys in front of you, you know. And and that's probably not fair to them. What I mean, obviously, we, we've talked, and you, you've been around this forever. What are some of the things that you've noticed that have changed not only with the position but also with players in the position it, with goalkeeping over the years? There's a lot. There's a, One of the things in my pet peeve is, the art of catching the ball is, is gone away, you know, and um, and I always use this analogy. Okay, we anybody who's anybody who watches the NFL, okay, 
Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or you know any of these younger quarterbacks can zip a football, you know, 60, 65, 70 miles an hour. Now, football is pointy, so it doesn't decelerate. The soccer ball is round. It decelerates. And when these guys are throwing a football to a guy, they're expecting him to catch it, even if he's only eight yards away or ten yards away. And it's perfectly legal after he catches it for someone to kill him. <laughs> That's perfectly legal. And that, that day will come, right, yeah. is that somebody will get hit coming across the middle and, and die because of it. But they catch the ball, right? So I always wonder why, you know, as a goalkeeper, we don't have an expectation that, yeah, the ball's round and big players are bigger, stronger, faster, and they can hit the ball harder and the ball's juiced and, you know, cry me a river, catch the effing ball, right? There's you know, there's no uncatchable ball. There's no uncatchable ball. There's one uncatchable ball. Yeah. Yeah. Happened in an All Star game. Yeah. Happened in an All Star game. Jason Christ. Yeah. 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 So you know that those that that's that's something that I see has changed. You know, I I don't know for the better. You know, it's interesting as goalkeeper coaches we spend a lot of time on distribution. Okay, but I've always thought maybe I'm wrong here. You know, in order to distribute a ball, you have to have the ball, right? Yeah. In order to have the ball, you have to catch it. So that should be the thing we work on first. You know. Sidewinders and all that are great, but you got to have the ball to distribute it. So that's that's a big area that I've seen, you know. And it, it, now in the other areas, as the position evolves, it requires better and better goalkeepers who can play with their feet. You constantly work at that. Um, uh, but I've also seen, you know, in, in answer to your question, you know, the, the goalkeeper in the modern game is not for, expected to – deal with as many, you know, the area that he has to cover is much smaller than it was even when you first started playing. You know, in in the old days, you're expected to go out and get crosses. Now it's like, okay, now, admittedly, they weren't driven in, you know, they weren't whipped in like they are now. They were more floated and stuff. But, you know, you see the occasional miss hit that's floating and you see the goalkeeper stay on the line because we haven't, you know, they're not, they're not used to, that's not my job, coach. You know, my job is to defend the line. You know, that's an area that I think needs to be addressed and needs to be improved. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, those two, those two things I think are two of the biggest areas, you know, that is, have changed, you know, or have evolved. Let's put it that way. You know. um, John, one of the ones I want to ask you, uh, because we had talked about it on your show a little bit. Um, you obviously had the three ACL tears and I had a, I had a player tear ACL this year. For any players that are listening to this, what advice, like what things would you tell them about their injury and what it's like to come back and how you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest first and foremost is you can come back from them, you know, and, and uh, you know, back in the day it was looked upon that it, it was almost impossible. But the way uh, science is and, and doctors and everything now and technology, it, you, you can do it, you know. Uh, I think one of the biggest things I learned from the set, first one to the second one was um, you know, you have to be a little greedy when you're rehabbing, not in a bad way, but you, you know, I, I got into my little world, uh, and everything was just about my rehab. And I wanted to make sure I did, not only did I do everything, but the, the trainers and the, and the, the doctors and everybody, they were giving me everything I needed to get back on the field. So you, you become a little bit, a little bit greedy in the fact that this is my rehab. This is what I need to do and, and make sure you get what you want. 
Um, and, and the other part of that is to, it, it's a mental test. It is a mental grind because a lot of times you're by yourself in a gym or you're, you know, you might be with one other person. You're away from the team. You're away from your buddies, you know, and, and sometimes you're questioning yourself. Can I do it? You know, and, and you got to know, A, it's possible, but B, you have to be mentally focused and mentally tough because there are good days and there are days where you make big strides and you're, and you're like, okay, I'm on my way. And there's other days and, and weeks that you don't make any strides and you start questioning yourself. So mental toughness is definitely part of it. Like, and this is open to all of you guys. What are some pieces of advice that you would give, especially young goalkeepers, about what they need to be doing Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take the high school athlete right now. What the high school athlete needs to be doing to prepare themselves to go to the next level that they're capable or want to go to. And this is open to all of you guys. I'm going to just do one, and then I'm actually going to scoot. But before I do that, I want to thank these two clowns for coming to Camp Shutout this summer because it was awesome to have them here or there in Stevens Point. But they did a, a fantastic job, so it was cool. It was cool to have them there. Um for me, a high school goalkeeper in particular, I'm working with those guys at FC United at that age. And even here today, we had some out on the field and playing. And the presence level, even from our own guys, is not is, is not where it needs to be. When you're training an elite goalkeeper, there's a presence level that you often you can't even teach. They just have it. It's an ego. It's a confidence. It's, it's just part of their fabric. And that goalkeeper that can perhaps work on it or owns that, for me, that, that's going to take them – more perhaps or or further than their technical ability and things like this. If they believe in themselves, demand things out of the back line, they're a guy on the field that the coach is, is, is behind, that type of player, if they can work on that and mold a little bit of that into their DNA, I think that the sky can be the limit for them. But for, for me, I think that's something that, uh, that that is hugely, hugely needed. With that, I'm going to scoot off to, to my uh, event I have to go to, but these right. these Thanks guys awesome, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's not my own event. It's, not it's my Stan own the event. Man. He's got his own event here. It's Stan the Man. Yeah, yes. Um, for me, and I'm gonna go back to what Ev said. You know, the the game has evolved, but the game for me is still you know is very similar to when it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, you've got to have your basics. You've got to catch the ball. You've got to have that foundation. And I think we're forgetting about that. And I agree 100% with EB. You know, everything's about the sexy sidewinder and and distribution because every team wants to play with the, you know, keep the ball and have the ball and play with it. But if you don't, like EB said, if you don't catch the ball, you don't have the ball, it doesn't matter. The only time you're hitting a sidewinder is back to midfield for kickoff. You know, and and I said this the other day in, in a lecture as well is, you know, for me, it's and we, we tease about it. You know, I call it the meat and potatoes, but it's about the fundamentals. You know, it's about the technical side for me, and then you know, then you learn the tactical side. But you always have to start with the technical side. So no matter how much the game advances, you still have to have that technical side, the meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. Uh, and I'll get back to you know, I'll get back to what I said before. You have to be willing to embrace the the work and the grind that is necessary. To become good, you know, and and you know every kid, every kid that goes into to to playing sport in any position, you know, we all kind of expect them to want to get to the next level. If you, you know, if you're in high school, we kind of expect you to want to play in college. Well, maybe you don't want to do that, and that's okay, you know. But you know, if you don't, you know, if, while you're there in that time, you should put the time and effort into it 
to make that experience the best it can be, you know. And uh, and if you do have the the desire to go on and play at the next level, whatever that may be, then you have to accelerate that time and effort that you put in because uh, it, it, it doesn't stop. And you have to be, you know, John's work canceled me with younger goalkeepers before where, you know, we have what I call a click it point, you know, and the click it point is when the kid's in camp and realizes, oh, I get it. You, you have to show up every day, you know, with your lunch pail to get your meat and potatoes, you know, and you have to enjoy that. And if you don't enjoy that, then play in the field or play another sport or find something, you know, that, that you'd rather be doing. And, and the kids that, that, that were, where they click and they say, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, every day requires training and it, and it's hard training. It's not easy training. You know, once they get to that point, then they can continue to climb the ladder. I think, I think it, I mean, I think one of the things I say it's hard nowadays because everything's so uh, transparent. People post every workout that they're doing on social media, everything's going like that. And I think that sometimes, like you said, I think the, the, I don't like to use the new, cause there's the kids that are out there that are doing the right stuff. The grinders, they still exist. You just don't hear about them as much until, until they're actually succeeding. And so that's where I think it's, it's an element where I think as coaches, that's where we kind of have to, especially the younger levels, really remind them that like, yeah, it's cool to be able to pull that one out of uh, overnight. But if you can't, like we were talking about with JB, if you can't catch anything, if you, the ones that are coming straight at you, you can't get to, it, it's useless. It, it doesn't matter that you can, you can make that one, that at one at one out of every hundred save. But if you let in 50 other goals, it doesn't really matter at that point. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We used to do, and JB was was always there, but we used to do camps with kids that, you know, it would be a small camp. We'd have about 10 to 12 kids. And these were all kids that professed they wanted to play in college. They wanted to play pros, okay? And the first thing, there were two things that I would make these guys do, okay? If you want to go down this path, the first thing is you watch the movie Slapshot. It's a great movie. Because that's what you're trying to get to yeah. in the United States, okay? Trying to get to be a pro so you can ride the bus all night, okay? All right? And, and if you accept that, great. That's great. Okay. And the second thing is I made them read the transactions in the newspaper. Okay. Because those were the journeyman pros who were getting, who were moving every year to a different team. You know, yeah. Peyton Manning never moved. Right. Except when he wanted to. Yeah. Right. And then he made more money. Yeah. And, and that's all, like you say, that's what we hear about. Right. But you, you don't, you don't hear about the grinders anymore. And those are the, the athletes that make up. The majority of pro rosters is the guys who have busted their ass their whole career to to make money playing a child's game. Yep. All right, and there's no better life. I know. I don't care if you're riding the bus every night. There's no better life, right? And you and you can't do it for the rest of your life. And so it's worth it's worth the sacrifices and the grind you have to put in. What are some of the things that you guys feel from your experience that you, is it, it's the fun part you get to share with the kids, like with like when you get the, because you guys do so many of these camps, so many of these different things where you actually get to go and meet and talk to all these young athletes. What are the things that you get to be excited about telling them about every single time you work with them? Go ahead. You, you go first. <laughs> um, you know, for me, you know, being being a player as long as I was, you know, I, I did the coaching, but it, was, it wasn't as much as I'm doing now. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of not reinventing myself, but, you know, learning a new craft. 
Um, but I think one of the things that's really cool for me now training as many goalkeepers as I do, um, and, and, and EB was the one that used to say it to me, everything I do with these kids, I have done. And everything I'm asking them to do, I have done. And, and I can say that, you know, and, and as EB said, I put the work in because I was obsessed with the position. I wanted to be the best I could, whether it was in the gym, on the field. I mean, I so many times I would call him, can we train today? Can we train today? Can we train today? And, you know, I did that my whole career. I was always the first on the field, always the last one off, but I was just obsessed with the position. Um, you know, so for me, it's kind of cool when, you know, when a, when a kid's like, well, and I can look at him in the eye and say, I'm telling you we need to do this because it's been done, you know. Um, for me personally as well, now that my playing journey is done and my coaching career is, has started, for me it's been awesome. EB and I have always been close, but reconnecting with EV in the coaching world, you know, and that happened this summer um, going up to, uh, up to Camp Shutout. And just spending the time around EV again, like we did at Charlotte, uh, but but this time as two coaches, not as you know the, the Gandalf of goalkeeping and, and a little young pain in the ass that thought he knew everything, you know. So it, it's been a special time for me because you know, as I told you guys in in the last podcast, for me EV was my second dad, you know, and he still is, and we talk so much about everything, not just soccer but life. But it was a time where it was like, man, this is really cool again, Nick. We're you know, we're, we're coaching together again after so many years. So it's, that's been cool for me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would, I would say this to anybody who's, you know, who, who's trying to get into coaching and trying to be it, it, coaching in teams is great. But if you're trying to get in and be a goalkeeper coach, whatever you're doing, don't forget if you're working with kids, you know, at some point it has to be fun, right? What you're doing at you're playing a game. A game was invented to have fun, right? You know, and I used to tell Bushy, and I used to tell all the kids this, you know, if it gets to the point where you're not having fun, then it's a job, okay? Now, it's different if you're a pro player and you're not happy with your team and your surroundings and you want to move, but you're putting food on the table. You know what? You got you to gotta grind it out because you're getting paid. If you're not getting, if you're not getting paid and, and you're showing up every day and you're, you're not, it's not fun for you, um, find something else. You know, find something else that you can do and uh, find something else that you enjoy doing because, you know, uh, and, and you know, Bushy's right. He used to call all the time, we need to go train, we need to go train. And sometimes I'd say, no, we need to put the ball away today. You need to relax today. You know, do, go do something else. Go chase girls, do whatever you're doing. But, you know, but, you know, we don't need to, you know, we're not, you're not going to crash because we missed one day of training, you know. And the real reason was I couldn't walk, I couldn't walk, you know. <laughs> my, my legs were too sore, but. But, you know, yeah, but, you know, I always try to make sure, my, you know, my coaching philosophy is simple. Prepare the player for the next level, whatever that may be, okay, and, and work hard at it. Make it intense. But the most important aspect of all that being it's got to be fun for them at the end of the day, you know. And you do that by joking with them or teasing them or, or whatever you got to do. But you make sure that at the end of the day they've laughed as much as they've worked, you know, or smiled as much as they've worked. Yeah, I think, and again, we, I, we've gotten to see what you guys did last season in the season point and uh, what Stan's done and things like that. And it's, you can tell the kids are getting a lot out of it. I think that that's, it's one of those things that's just a ton of fun. It, it makes it, 
you, you can tell those kids, there's a reason that you guys have been able to be as successful as you are getting more people to come and want to be a part of what you're doing. Uh, we, we have I, like maybe 10 minutes or so left to go. One of the things I want to do, we do have the Gandalf of goalkeeping. I want to, what, what's one of your favorite stories of maybe a goalkeeper we know, or maybe a goalkeeper we don't know that you got to live through with them or without them? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. There's a lot. There's, 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 there's so many. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I always used to tell people this that that, uh, and I don't want to get too sappy here, but I always I always gave myself a coaching grade uh, according to how many weddings I was invited to to be in or be at by my players. You know, because I felt I always felt like, you know, if 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 they were if they were willing to go out there and bust their ass and do what I asked them to do, and at the end of their career they still like me enough to invite me to their wedding, I'd done a good job, you know. Um, and 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 again, I'd done a good job by making it fun enough that they wanted me to be at a celebration of their life, which you know that's 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 fun. I mean, some of the some of the funniest stories I've had with goalkeeping, you know. Um, I you know some of, in some of the camps we did about Taylor and the Leaf. Taylor and the Leaf was a, was a, I was just thinking of Taylor and the Leaf and then Ru- Russell the Love Muscle Miller yeah, you know when we were when I made you guys carry bricks up the hill because he screwed up yeah. right you yeah. know um, you know just, just stuff like that I mean you know we had one of the kids that I coached you know this is an interesting story <laughs> his name is Taylor Barretta okay Taylor Barretta grew up in Durham North Carolina which is where I was working at the time and he wanted to be a goalkeeper okay and you know, when he first started, he was a little 11-year-old, pudgy little guy. I mean, pudgy, right? He looked more like a hockey goalie than a goalkeeper. And he, he just, you know, he tried to play in the field. And I was like, Taylor, your, your future's not in the field because the theory in playing in the field is that you're moving, you know, and he wasn't. So I was like, so we're going we're gonna to put you in goal, okay? And he embraced it, you know, and he... He did the weights, and he made himself fit, and he grew himself into this giant guy, didn't he? I mean, muscles yeah, everywhere. Muscles, muscles everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And uh, and he decided that, you know, after after four years of playing high school and playing club ball and everything in Durham, that he had two he, – he wanted to go to the University of Virginia. And this is during Virginia's A-Day, you know. I mean, and I was like, Taylor, you know, you, you can go walk on there, but I don't, I don't think you're going to play there. And Washington University in St. Louis, which is where his dad was from originally, they wanted him, you know. And Ty Keogh was the coach. That was a good program, too. And Ty, Taylor had said, Taylor said he wanted to play pros. And I was like, he, you know, he's like, you go to Virginia, that's great. You probably play pro afterwards. You go to you go to Washington University, that's great because you're going to be playing, you know. And, yeah, it's D3, but who cares? I mean, it's, you're playing, you know. And, 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 you know, and I tell kids this all the time. I've been, I've been in – National championship games in Division Two, Division One, pros in AIA. It's all the same. When the game starts, you know, I don't care if there's 30 people there or there's 30,000 people there. If you're involved in that, if you're on the field for that match, you know, either as a coach or a player, it's it feels the same. It's yeah. the same, you know. The rings are all the same. Time. Exactly. I mean, it, you're you know you're invested the same at any level that it, it, you know. So so anyway, Taylor decides he's going to Virginia. Okay. Now Taylor went to Virginia for four years. He played a total of forty-seven minutes in a preseason game in four years. Okay, Taylor, not not to be dissuaded. Okay, finishes four years at 
at Virginia. Gets four rings, by the way, because they won four years in a row. Right? He was on the team, but never played. He's like, Evie, I want to go. I want to play pro. They're like, Taylor, you played forty-seven minutes in college, and you know, in four years, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a math guy, but that's ten minutes a year. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit more. Uh, he figures out to finish school. He takes a semester abroad. Okay. He decides, I'm going to go to Holland. EV, do you know anybody in Holland? The only guy I knew in Holland is Franz Hoek, and I really didn't know him. I just, you know, you know, I mean, I met him through, you know, Eurosport and here, the NSCA, which is now USC. And so, you know, I said, well, I'll see what I can do, you know. So I send, this is back before, you know, I didn't call Franz. I sent him faxes, right? Hey, there's this kid coming over. He's a good kid. You know, can you, can you let him train somewhere, you know? Taylor goes over to Holland, right? He trains, and he actually gets some games in, like, the Holland third or fourth division. He actually gets some games in a pro game, right? From Holland, he goes to Colchester City in England. They were third division at the time, right? And actually plays six or seven matches for the Colchester City first team, right? I mean, I remember getting the Goal magazine, and they had him rated, you know, Barretta, six. You know, we were like, Taylor, you're a pro, you know, and, and, you know, and then came back and played for us at Wilmington Hammerheads and, you know, and, and is now, you know, got more money than all of us, you know, ever will <laughs> dream of having because he got into the dot-com business. But, you know, that, that's one of my favorite stories because, you know, he, he was a, he was a goofy kid, right? I mean, as a kid, he was a goofy kid and, one, the, the Leaf story that John's referring to is Taylor came back from Holland. We're training preseason at UNC Charlotte. And we're playing a small-sided game where there's three teams. Winning team stays on. You know, losing team has to run down and get a leaf from a tree. Frank was the coach, so running was involved. Yes. You know, I'd run down and get a, get a leaf from a tree, bring it back before the next game started. Well, Taylor's playing in goal. Here's his pro from Holland and England, you know, and all the guys are like, oh, pro, he's he's great. You know, Taylor got scored on his team loses. Everybody takes off of the tree. Not Taylor. Not Taylor. Right. Taylor's not, he's not going. Taylor was a pro. He's a pro. pro. He's a pro. And I was like, Taylor, you gotta, you gotta go get a leaf. EV, I'm a pro. You know, Taylor, I don't effing care. That's the (laughs) rules here. You gotta go get a leaf. Right. Well, and of course, I think it pissed Frank off. So Frank made, I think, if I'm not mistaken here, Frank made everybody run down there because Taylor was grandstanding, yep. you know. And, you know, Taylor won't like this story, but that, yeah. you, you, can, well, you can fill in the cracks here. Cause. Yeah, so when we're, <laughs> when we're coming back from getting the lease, oh, yeah. you know, Taylor's all huffy-puffy because he thinks he's a pro, right? And, again, this is, when, this is my freshman year, so this is when I thought I could talk. And I look at him and I said, I don't give a fuck where you play or who you are. We've already ran four miles this morning before you even got your ass out of bed. Next time, don't fuck up. And if you have to run, run because I'm tired of running for you. And I said this to this kid because <laughs> I was so pissed of running. And, and I told E.B. later, I said, I don't want him to come back because he won't run. And now we got to run more for him. But uh, he, he was a good guy. He's a great guy. But... It was yeah, it was funny because he you know he thought he was a pro. He didn't have to run, and Frank made everybody run. So yeah, that was the leaf story. That was, yeah, yeah. 
we uh, we had somebody uh, reach out to us a text message and said, you know, for John now getting into coaching, and I'm sure Evie had this same thing, and he can pitch in on this. What does it mean for you guys when you know maybe it's somebody that you've worked with before? Who, as time goes on, uh, you know, starts bringing their children to you to work it with, uh, or you know, somebody that you have some type of connection to that from your playing days, from your early coaching days, that now you're working with like another generation. What does stuff like that mean to you guys uh, to be in those situations uh, to work with those those other players? Um. Well, fortunately, I haven't had any of the kids yet. Yes, I, 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 it's coming. I know it's coming, but you know, the last couple of years. I have had two guys that I trained in Virginia Beach when I played there uh, in the USL. Now, that was early in my career. Two of them that have played in the pros against me, Evan Newton was one of them, and Matt Van Ockel, and they're both from Virginia Beach. And both of them came up to me when, when they played against me for the first time and said, you remember you used to train me when I was 10 years old in Virginia Beach? And now they're in their 20s and 30s. And I thought, oh, my God. How old does that make me? I was trained these kids when they were 10. So for me, it was kind of cool. Again, it was towards the end of my career. Uh, and actually, Evan was part of San Jose when I was there. Um, you know, so that was fun as well. And, and Matt's been around. But uh, for me, I've been fortunate not to have any of the kids yet. Uh, I know it's coming. I know it's only a matter of time. But it's it's cool to see, to have those people. And, and the fact that they respect me enough in my craft to want to bring their kids to me and, and allow me to try to – to teach them the game the right way? Well, I, I, on the other hand, because I've been around long enough, have had coached the kids of kids I coached. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I mean, you do catch yourself thinking, damn, you're old, you know. And uh, But, you know, it, it is it is kind of cool. And, and, you know, uh, a couple of times I've, you know, I've kids I've been working with, you know, I can say to them, you know, your mother made the same mistake in goal that you do. So you, you might want to change that or, you know, you know, your father couldn't do that, but you can good job, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you got to make sure, you know, you tell mom and dad, you know, eh, junior's better than you, you know? So, you know, you got a, you got a future here, but it, it is, I mean, it, it's a cool feeling. It, it makes you feel old, but it, it, it's kind of a gift because, you know, you started out a long time ago as chose this path and you've been able to to experience everything along the way, and now you, you're coaching your third generation of goalkeepers. And as we wrap up, before we get into the surprise, yeah. uh, you know, obviously Soccer Chat, it's all about networking, getting coaches connected. Uh, if somebody's wanting to reach out to you, uh, maybe it's a question about maybe some type of goalkeeping uh, session or you just want to get some advice from you. Uh, famous EP, how can, uh, how can our listeners get in contact? You, you know what? You can reach me at Twitter at, at TSC Goalkeeping. Um, I'm the director of goalkeeping for Tennessee Soccer Club, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, you can you can reach me at ev ev one at royceusa.com because I work for the Royce Goalkeeper Company, and um, you know, and if not, find Bushy, and Bushy can tell you how to get in touch with me. So, um, uh, I am the self-proclaimed goalkeeper guy at Royce, and that means. Pretty much, I'm in charge of making sure that grassroots marketing for our goalkeeping brand is, is taken care of and that we have a network of coaches across the country uh, who, are, who are wearing the gear and showing the gear to kids and, and encouraging kids to uh, 
to buy gloves. I mean, most of the time, you know, there's a Bushy has his own glove company, and, and funnily enough, the only guy who I've never been able to get to wear Roy's gloves is John Bush, you know. So, uh, you know, um, but, you know, we, 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 like, like with Bushy's glove, like any gloves, there's plenty of little hands out there to get gloves on. You know, I don't get into the competition of it, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun job and it's, it's enabled me to stay involved with the, with the passion that I enjoy, which is coaching goalkeepers and being around the goalkeeping business and being around goalkeeping gear. I can tell you from an early age, growing up as a Louisville boy, the first soccer brand I ever heard of was Boys because of John Bertrand. Really? Yeah. yeah. All of the, uh, Soccer Academy and Soccer Camps, every single thing was Royce. Like, before I knew what Adidas was, before I knew what Nike was, I knew Royce was. And, uh, Bushy, obviously, how can uh, people get in contact with you or listen to your previous two episodes as well? Well, they can find you for that, because uh, I don't know what you're talking about earlier, but there's some special way, widget or something. I don't know. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that is, but um, there you go. I got to get more than Stan. I can't have Stan beating me. Uh, you can get me on Twitter or Instagram at, at HP, uh, HPG underscore GK. And now for the, I'm glad that we're doing this on yeah. video. Yeah. It is, is a long time coming. This is so, in the making for maybe like a week. <laughs> so when you got, you know, when we first talked over the summer, you were telling me how big of a fanboy Nick was <laughs> of the fire. He did say it. He did say it. And he still is. But not just necessarily the club, but the old, the club back in the day when I was there and, and all the players that were there. And Nick's favorite player is Chris Roth. And I'm, I'm very upset with myself, but more with Chris that I didn't get this in time. But we have a special gift for you that's, that is being shipped to me and I will ship to you. Okay, from Chris Roth himself. There's a picture of it. It is one of his rookie cards that he signed for you. That okay. is and in the picture. He's <laughs> right there. And so yep. So he's had the picture for like a week. So I I waited till I got the picture. I knew it. But the problem was we had, we set it up with plenty of time, but he forgot to mail it in time. <laughs> so then like a couple days ago, I said, you mail me that I totally forgot. So it is on its way. It's probably actually at the house by now. That's but you awesome. will have a sign. I think it's a rookie card. That's I think he said he had a rookie card. Rookie yeah. That's so you will out. have it for your collection from Chris Rolfe himself. And if you want this picture of him holding it, I will send Dude, that to you, and you can print that off as well. I will read it to you. It says, to Nick. The one and only member of my fan club. <laughs> Please cherish this 2005 rookie card. Yeah, of me scoring my first ever MLS goal again against Nick Romano. Uh, All the best, Chris Rolf, 17. Dude, well, because like when I was growing up, like I was a young Ford. I had blonde hair. I remember watching. I was like, he was quick. I was quick. I was like, this is my guy. There like, you I, go. Yeah, he he was a great player. There you go. There you go, Mr. Fanboy. <laughs> You're the man. You're awesome. And we also have to uh, admit uh, that we also have these absolutely amazing John Bush oh, yeah. shirts. 
Hash, well. Hashtag meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. Uh, definitely get all that from his website as well. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. It's an absolute blast. We'll have to do it again sometimes in a different uh, different setting with some, uh, yeah. some beverages around. Absolutely. Us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having yeah. us. Had a blast doing thank, it. Thank you very much for having us. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.